you know, challenges in this past year, and we've been through stuff, and we've had things we had to face, and we've had giants that we've had to slay, and we've had challenges that we've been dealing with, but, but folks, it's all about to be swallowed up in the glory of God. All, all the stuff, all, the, all them little fires you got right now, they're all going to be swallowed up in the glory of God. And, and nothing really matters um, in, in that sense because everything starts to get in perspective. How many know that, that this life is, 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 I mean, it's temporary. This is a temporary world, right? And how many know heaven's eternal? And how many know God is bringing heaven to earth? That's what he's been doing. He's been doing it. And so, um, man, I um, thank you, God. So I just, I want to talk a little bit about um, just this revival that's been happening. And I just want to share what my personal experience in it. Um, so it, it started um, last Wednesday. And, um, and so, you know, it started and then I heard about it. And then I thought, man, that's great. That's awesome. I mean, we should always celebrate any level of outpouring. Come on, man. These people that want to be critical about what's going on, it's like, come on, man. Get a life. You know what I'm saying? Like, wake up. I mean, anytime people are coming to God and want to be with God, that's a good thing. Um, is everything going to be perfect? No. You know, is it, you know, are there going to be, you know, things that are, aren't perfect? Absolutely. I mean, you know why? Because people like us are there. People. I mean, you know, people are people, right? And so, um, and so anyway, you know, there are people that are, you know, being critical towards that. Just pray for them. God love them. You know what I'm saying? Everything is not all things. What's currently happening right now is a form of outpouring. It's a form of reviving. Um, it's centered around worship. And there's, there's a million wonderful things that are, that are happening in regards to it. But it's not all things. There are other things that are going to come out. Yes, we need to go out to the highways and the byways. Yes, we need to win the loss. Yes, we need to preach the gospel. Yes, we need to see signs and wonders and miracles and all of these things. But, but what is happening right now in the way that God showed it to me, has anybody ever, you ever seen a lake that had like a, um, a hole in it where all the water was rushing into that area of the lake? Has anybody ever seen that before? Like it's like a round tie. What are those called? Whirlpools, is that what it's called? Okay. And so like all the water's rushing into the whirlpool, and there's like a pool that's coming from all over the, the, the lake in order to come to this point. And so um, probably, I guess about, I don't know the, the times, but I, I started dreaming about the revival. And every night I would dream about it all night. And, um, and I just kept feeling like this drawing to go there. I just kept feeling just drawing. And it happened the first night. And I felt the drawing that happened the second night. <clears throat> and what God was showing me is, is, is what is currently happening is there's like this drawing in of people. And, and people are hungry and people are excited and they're coming together. And, but then the, the, the drawing is happening. But then also there's a watering that's happening. There's like a, there's a fountain. There's a well that has been dug, so to speak. And people are coming in and they're drinking of this well and they're developing a thirst for it. They're developing a thirst for the presence of God. And, and so these are, these are two things that are happening simultaneously. There's a drawing, and then there's a well that's coming. And then also it's, a, it's impacting the, the, the entire region. Um, the, the atmosphere is changing. Um, you know, how many know that when rain falls, and, and, and as rain hits the atmosphere, I mean, it, it changes the atmosphere, it changes the temperature, it changes the groundwork, it changes everything, Right? And so there's something that, that what God is doing is there's a changing of the atmosphere, and then there's also a lighting of fire. How many of you know it's happening in other places as well? And, and, you know, one of the places where the enemy's done his most major work has been the college campus, higher education. Um, the enemy's really endeavored to indoctrinate young people and turn them away from God and turn them into a, to a, to a life of, you know, godlessness, et cetera. And so what, what's God going to hit? He's going to hit those people, Right. He's going to hit those young people. He's going to hit these colleges, campuses, man. And he's bringing forth this redemption. And so we're seeing all these different places where worship is rising and people are doing the same things. Amen? And so, um, and so when I actually went, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little, what's the words? Uh, cautious. <laughs> Anytime we're dealing with people. Um, and, and so... I, I did not come in eyes wide open. I came in slightly skeptical. Can I be honest? 
Why are you skeptical, Jeremiah? Because I, I just am, I've never, let's see, man's ability to mess things up is astonishing. <laughs> that's, so, that's the reason I was a little bit skeptical, right? So anyway, so I go in, and what I see, I'm so just blessed and overwhelmed at the beauty and the purity of what is happening. Because they, it's all about Jesus. It's, we're not making much of man. There are no superstars on the stage. There are no big names. There are no big preachers. There's just Jesus Christ and His presence. Man, I've been hungering for this for so long. And the level of organization that the, 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 the college has, has done in, in not quenching the Spirit, but, but keeping things orderly and, and, and safe and, and filled with wisdom, I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolutely God-breathed. And so... Um, there's just this beautiful peace, and there's this beautiful presence of the Lord. And then, you know, <laughs> I love this, man. And all these big-name preachers want to come in, right? They're all like, all right, y'all need us. We're coming. We got a team. We're here. And they're like, thank you, but no thank you. You can come worship with the rest of the regular people, <laughs> but you will not be taking the stage. <laughs> Now listen, now listen, I'm not being critical towards those people. But in their mind, they know how it's happened in the past. And so they need, they're thinking we need to duplicate what's happened in the past. We need a leader. We need a preacher. We need like, you know, we need somebody to kind of run the show, so to speak. And so in their mind, they're bringing an old wineskin. And they're coming with their old wineskin. And, 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 and the, the beautiful leadership of Asbury College is like, we're not doing it like that. And what's awesome is, I mean, you know, that's a testing of the hearts of those leaders. Because if you can receive that and rejoice in that, your heart's right. But if you become critical because it, it wasn't your idea and you're not included and your name's not on the banner, your heart's wrong. And you need to repent, basically. And so, but anyway, so all these, these different leaders came down and, you know, they're so worship leaders and preachers and all that. And they're like, no, 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 no. You can join but you can't take the stage. And I'm telling you right now, and then some of those, some of those people responded were like, we were so thankful and so excited that it was like that. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Because a, a portion of what God is going to do in the days ahead is, is he's laid the ax to the hero worship in the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? I mean, oh, there's nobody in this room any better than anybody else. Everybody in here needs Jesus. Everybody in here is anointed. Everybody here is called. Everybody here is a minister of reconciliation. Can you get an amen? amen. Now we're gonna now we're gonna, as you know, there are fivefold ministry gifts, and those gifts are there to serve and to equip. We don't take away from that. But at the same time, man, this is Jesus' party. This isn't anybody's party. This is Jesus' party. Amen. My daughter has had a birthday for the past month. And uh, <laughs> she turned two. And, man, we celebrate birthdays in, in our house, you know. So we're on, like, our third or fourth cake. And, you know, we have all these different parties and stuff like that. Well, she knows it's her party. She knows. She, my party. It's my party. That toy, that's my toy. It's my party. It's her time to shine, right? And how many know we want to celebrate her? How many know the king of kings is coming? And how many know all eyes need to be on him? Can I get an Amen. Not on the preacher, not on the worship leader, not on the church, not on the denomination, non-denomination, none of that, just Jesus, because it's his party. Can I get an amen? amen? And there's a marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's a party that's prepared. And so this movement that's happening is setting the stage for a different type of wineskin and a different approach, right? And it's going to be marked by it being about the Lord and not being about any individual person. Can you get an amen? So I am telling you right now, I'm so excited about it, and I'm so thankful for it. And, and, and so let's turn to uh, Psalm 133, please. And so God just began to minister to me that these things that are happening are, 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 are the, is the predecessor of other things that are coming. 
And uh, we're about to have just a very exciting 2023. And uh, man, God is just going to be pouring out His Spirit, and there's going to be all different kinds of wonderful things that happen, manifestations. I mean, I'm just so excited. But this is a part of the beginning, the opening of the floodgates and the pouring out of His Spirit. And, um, and so anyway, and, and, and it's, gonna do, it's doing something in the body of Christ that I think sometimes we have forgotten how powerful that is and how important that is to God. And how ultimately, like, this is God's real plan. And Connie actually talked a little bit about it towards the end of, 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 of uh, doing the communion. Is I'm talking about unity. Are y'all ready to see the body of Christ come together? Like laying down our differences and our little doctrinal nuances and, 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 our, and our little signs that say what we're affiliated with and, and all of that and just lay all those things down and come into a place of unity around the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. This past couple of years have been a time of persecution and challenge. How I many know the enemy hates Jesus? And the expression of the hatred of Jesus has been paramount everywhere for the past few years, more than it has in my lifetime. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because in, in the midst of persecution is when we actually draw near to each other. We have a common enemy. Darkness, not people. Can I get an amen? But we have a common enemy. So there's been a, a bit of a unity that's already started to happen in the body of Christ because we recognize that we need each other. We need, we need our Baptist friends. We need our Methodist friends. We need our charismatic friends. We need each other. And so there's already been like this shifting of unity uh, that started to happen as a result of the persecution. But that is just preparation to bring us into a greater place of unity, which we're seeing demonstrated on Asbury right now, is we see thousands of people worshiping Jesus from different denominations and different backgrounds, all ages, man. Like everybody, all nationalities, I mean, everybody just coming together in a place of hunger, in a place of desperation. But what's happening is they're coming together in a place of unity. And unity is very, very powerful. And unity is what we have not seen a lot of in the body of Christ. I have seen more division and fighting in the body of Christ than, than the average bar. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like we have been at each other's throats more than most. And, and one of the reasons is the enemy uh, endeavors to stir up factions and divisions and all these types of things, but he fears the unity of the body of Christ. Because there's something that happens when we unify and there's a oneness that comes to us, we become an evangelical force. And we're going to look at it a little bit here in John, um, that when, when we are one as they are one, and we are one in Him, and we start to love each other, then the world will believe. There's an element of, of, the, of evangelism and the gospel and the preaching of the message of the cross. When it comes out of a place of unity, there's power. I mean, you know, the early church was unified. They were so unified that they had everything in common. I'm not suggesting we do that. <laughs> I think that was for the early church. But I am saying that I believe that there was such a level of unity amongst them that everyone could see them and behold their unity. They knew who they were, and they knew what they were about. And I believe the same thing is about to happen to the body of Christ. There's going to be a place. Now, there are going to be those who don't want to get on board. There are going to be those who want to be in the center stage. There are going to be those who want to still be carnal, and they want to all these things. But they're, they're going to get swept up in this wave of God's love. Amen. And so in Psalm 133, it says, Behold how good... And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon. Now listen, how many know that the anointing oil is representative? The oil is representative of the anointing. It's representative of the Spirit of God. And, and when the body of Christ is in a place of unity. We don't have to be perfectly unified in doctrine. We don't have to be perfectly unified on our belief in healing or the, the gifts of the Spirit or any of those things. But how many know we can be perfectly unified on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for our sins, and He was raised again from the dead, and He's Lord of all, He's King of all. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's center on that, and let's let all the other things just be, be the other things. Amen? But when that unity happens... 
The anointing flows. And when the anointing flows, how many know power happens? Signs and wonders and miracles. How many know the anointing is the power of God? It's the Spirit of God. And, and so um, the, 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 the goal here is that as this unity comes to pass, there is an anointing that's going to flow on the whole body. Now, it says on the beard of Aaron, on the head of Aaron, but how many know it flows all the way down? So what does that mean? That means everybody's going to be anointed, not just the preacher, right? Not just the preacher, because, folks, this is a small part of ministry. Most of the ministry is out there. I'm excited about us coming together. I'm excited about the worship. I'm excited about the revival, but I want to hit the streets. I want to hit the streets, and I want to, sit in the, I want to see the lost one. I want to see signs and wonders and miracles in the streets, in the streets, in the corner. I want to see it out in the public arena. And I think, because we're going to invade. We're, it's time to invade. It's not time to draw back. It's not time to draw in. It's time to invade. We're going to invade. We're going to take the power. We're going to take the presence of God. And we're going to invade darkness. And we're going to dispel darkness. And darkness is going to bow down to Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ that's inside of you. Now we're going to continue to have church. We're going to continue to meet. We're going to continue to come together. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to fill up our tanks. Can I get an amen? We're going to learn. We're going to stay sound in the word. We're going to stay sound in doctrine. We're going to continue to move forward. But the ultimate goal is the church is a place where you get filled up so you can take that Christ, that anointed one, out into the community and make a difference in the world that you live in. Can I get an amen? It's, it, it's, uh, so anyway, and so it says... Um, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. There's a commanded blessing on unity. There's a commanded blessing on unity. There's a commanded blessing on unity. How many know there's a power when a husband and wife are unified? Can you get an amen? How many know it creates a place of safety and protection for the children? How many know when the husband and wife are, are unified and they're in agreement that it, it, it creates a safe atmosphere for the children. How many of the enemy's trying to attack marriage? Why? He's trying to cause disunity. And so there's a commanded blessing upon unity, right? And, and listen, we, 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 we can't unify around our personalities because we're supposed to be different. We can't unify on the way we dress because we're supposed to be different. Can I get an amen? amen? All Christians shouldn't dress the same. Can I get an Amen. Not have the same haircut. Can I get an amen? amen? Hallelujah. We're not a style. We're the kingdom. Amen? So people go to church and have long hair or short hair, wear whatever you want to wear because who cares about all that stuff? It's what's in the heart, right? And so we can't unify around a personality. We can't necessarily unify around a style. But how many know we can unify around Jesus Christ? And that's what God's doing, and that's unity he's bringing, and there's a commanded blessing that's going to happen, and it's going to flow. Now, Acts chapter 1 and um, because, see, the thing about God is God does not need a majority. God has never needed a majority. I'll take it a step further. God does not want a majority. In fact, when God comes to Gideon and says, okay, you, you're going to be the deliverer. He's like, me? Scared, running. Yeah, you. Okay. Got to gather an army. Gathers an army, right? Army's too big. God's like, no, that's too, too big, too many people, too much of a majority, too much of man's strength. Sorry, that's not going to work. Whittle them down, whittle them down, whittle them 600, this, this amount, this amount, this amount, this amount. God's not satisfied. Why? Because God wants a minority. God does not want a majority. Because when God gets something done through a minority, who is glorified? He is. And his glory is really important. It must be protected, not because he's egotistical, but because he knows nobody else can handle it. How did Lucifer become Satan? He became hungry for the worship of man. He became hungry for, for, for the glory of God. I will be like the Most High. I will ascend unto heaven. I will, I will, I will. How many know when, when a created being drinks in the glory of the Creator, it's not good for him? Everybody tracking me here? And so, and so God says, I alone will be glorified. I alone will take the credit. I alone will be glorified. Can I get an amen? And I will glorify you in my glory. Praise God. 
And so, but he does not, he wants, he doesn't want a majority, he wants a minority. So finally, he whittles it down to 300 with the army of Gideon. He said, okay, that'll work. I can work with that. Do you want us to fight? Nah. <laughs> Y'all just go do a couple of things, and I'm going to tell you I'm going to do everything else. How I many you know, to this day, it's the same way, right? So God's not interested in a majority, but you know what God is interested in? Unity. Unity. If you look at the early church, how I many you know, they began in the upper room with a minority. There were 120 people left after the three and a half year miraculous ministry of Jesus Christ. After they had seen signs and wonders and miracles and dead people raised, there was 120 left, right? And God says, okay, I want you to stay in Jerusalem and in one accord. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So God's like, I'm not interested in the majority or the masses. All I need is a few people to get in unity. Of one mind is what the scripture declares. How are we going to get of one mind? Well, I don't think that doctrine is necessarily going to bring us to this place of one mind. I don't think that, that having all of our T's crossed. How many know there's nobody on this earth right now that's an expert on God? Nobody. Nobody's got God completely figured out. And nor shall there ever be any human being that has God completely figured out. Can you get an amen? We're all doing the best we can with what we have, right? And we're all students and we're all learning. But your mind can become one with someone else's mind as you behold Jesus. As you get your, your heart and your mind just filled up with the person of Jesus. Not the doctrine of Jesus, the person of Jesus. I'm not being anti-doctrine. But I'm saying that what God is going to do is he, he's going to cross our T's and dot our I's for us in the, as the glory rolls in. Can I get an amen? And so they were with one accord and they were in one place. Now turn to John chapter 17, please. And there is a place of oneness. So that's what God is doing. God is producing... Um, a place of unity uh, through this outpouring. And, and um, it's being done supernaturally, and it's being done for the purpose of, of, of bringing us into one mind, bringing us into a place of beholding the Lord. Amen. And how many know that's exciting? And, um, and there's so much power in that, so much power in that unity. And so uh, from, a, from an individual perspective, I would encourage you to do this. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. Some preachers aren't supporting this revival because they're jealous. How sad is that? Are you, are you really that, like, immature that because it's not your party, you can't rejoice? I mean, no, it's no individual's party. How I many it's Jesus' party? Can you get an amen? It's cool. There's going to be people who are going to grow up real quick. <laughs> amen. How I many know the elder brother can stay in the field or he can join the party? It's his choice. You know, there's lamb on the grill for him if he wants it. But it's his choice whether he's going to come in or not. Amen? Um, so, anyway, praise God. It's good. Oh, individually. I would say this. Guard your heart against offense. Guard your heart against comparison. And, and don't join groups of people who are filled with cynicism and criticism. Like, is it possible to point out things that are wrong with this revival? Of course there will be. Can you focus in on that? Yeah, you can. Don't join yourself with those people. Sometimes gossip and slander and cynicism will die simply by not paying attention to it. The best way to handle gossip, slander, and cynicism in a critical spirit is ignore it. Don't give it the time of day. Just like a fire that runs out of oxygen, it'll die. The last thing you want to do is put on your boxing gloves and get down in the ring and fight with these people that want to be critical or cynical. I promise you that their, their, their criticism and their cynicism will eventually get off on your hands and even into your heart. So don't do it. Make a decision not to join in with that crowd. And I'm not saying that, you know, we don't have a critical, we don't have a critical thinking mind. I'm not saying that we don't bring our mind to these types of things. I'm not encouraging that, but I'm saying that there is an innocence and there's a purity about what is happening that I have never seen in all the days of my life. I've never seen something so pure and so innocent and so nobody's trying to take any credit for anything. There's, there's no jockeying for position. There's no, there's no platform filled with important people. There's none of these things. we got college kids up here leading worship, 
Some of them can, and I'm not trying to be critical, but some of them can barely play guitar. And, and, like, and like, I'm like, yes! Because like, it's not about how well you play guitar. It's not, about, it's not about how well you sing. It's not about any of those things. Worship is a heart issue. And I see these young people up here, and their hearts are pure. And, and, and they're just worshiping God, and, and they're just loving God. And, and, and so, I mean, the stage is set for, for just wonderful things to happen. But I encourage you, on a personal level, endeavor to not fall into the cynicism trap. Don't fall into the ditch, okay? Amen. And so in John 17, talking about oneness, talking about unity, there's some statements made. These are some of the most radical statements in Scripture, in my opinion, concerning relationship and identity and oneness with God. There are some statements made in, in, the, in these passages that if you really take a look at them, will just completely blow your mind uh, concerning what, it, what is coming in terms of our relationship with God. And um, uh, John 17, verse 20, says, I do not, just Jesus speaking, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. So this is a level of unity that's beyond you know, boardroom agreement, it's beyond, this is a level of unity that's organic, and this is a level of unity that, how many know that Jesus and the Father are one? How many know that's a deep level of unity? That's a deep level of one accord, right? Well, that very same level of unity God is wanting to bring into our lives with each other, in Jesus, in the Father. That type of, of unity the world has never seen. Now, uh, darkness always tries to preemptively attack what's coming with a um, counterfeit. And have you not noticed that darkness is more organized than you've ever seen it before? Can we be honest? I mean, like, the, they're all in agreement. They hate Jesus. <laughs> you know, they hate um, just normal moral values and all these types of things. And they're all in unity and they're in agreement against it. So we're seeing a unity in darkness that we've never seen before, right? And anytime I say something like that, it just excites me. It doesn't worry me. It just excites me, right? Um, because how many, how many things are we worried about? How many are God's bigger than everybody? He's stronger than everybody. It's not his first rodeo. You know what I'm saying? He's about to show out strong and big like he always does. Amen? And so, but so that preemptive counterfeit of unity from darkness um, that, is, that has hit the planet, um, it's, it's the enemy's attempt at attacking our unity. But, but what God has brought together in the body of Christ, nobody's going to break asunder. And we are stronger than what we realize. We're more connected than what we realize. I mean, everybody in this room, you're connected. How are you connected? The same spirit that dwells on the inside of you, that dwells on the inside of Jesus, dwells on the inside of me. Can I get an amen? amen? The reason we have church today is we brought God in here with us when we came. Amen. Woo! Amen? And so there's a unity that we have in spirit already, and your spirit is one-third of who you are, but now God wants to bring your mind into alignment with that, and when your mind is in alignment, then how many of your body just follows suit? And so there's a unity that's coming to the body of Christ that's going to be awe-inspiring, and it's going to be probably one of the greatest miracles that's ever hit the earth. It's one thing to see somebody you know, get a miracle or get a healing or something individually, but it, if God can get all of his kids to play nice together, that might be the greatest of all miracles, right? How many of you know that's totally impossible? And only God could do it, right? But he, if he didn't plan on doing it, he wouldn't have said it. He says that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, and then all of that is for this next purpose, that the world may believe that you sent me. The world, now, how many know that's extremely important? How many know the whole reason we're still on earth is to try to convince other people that Jesus is real and Jesus is alive? And so 
as we start to see this unity develop in the, in the body of Christ, and we see this oneness start to arise out of a place of worship, what ends up happening is, is we're actually going to get a lot of evangelism done just by being the body of Christ. What are you talking about? How many know in this place of oneness, there is love? Right? Like, grab onto the person next to you. Just grab a hand. If there's somebody behind you, whatever, grab somebody. And I want you to, to, to look at their hand. Patty, you got to grab somebody. Grab Felicia. Or, yeah, there you go. Cool. That, now, look at the person's hand you're holding and recognize that that hand is just as much yours as your hand. And when you can start to take care of that person the way you take care of yourself, love starts to rule, love starts to reign, and we become one organism rather than many separate entities. And, 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 that, I mean, and everybody wants to be loved. So you guys can release each other and let go of the uncomfortable, sweaty awkwardness that is that moment. But, but I'm saying all that to say that the lost want to be loved. But they've came to church and they haven't found love. They found the spiritual Olympics. They found competition. They found backbiting and division and control and all those things that we have seen in, in, in days of old. But when they come in and they find us unified and they find us together, they find us as a family and they see us actually loving each other and caring about each other, how I many know they want to come in from the cold and be a part of that? Can I get an amen? And so, like, there's going to be a lot of evangelism that's accomplished simply through the Lord adding to the church. Because people are going to come to see what is going on. How I many know there's something in human beings that if they see a bunch of people doing something, they want to go see it? In a very simple sense, we, we're, we're, we, you know, if we see a line, we, we'd stand in that line. You know, or if we see something going on, we want to see what. And so what God is doing is through this pulling in of his spirit and through this unifying, he's also creating a, a culture where people want to come and see. Come and see what the Lord is doing. Come and see. Because there's going to be a visible demonstration of the kingdom of God in the earth and unbelievers are going to be able to come and see. And they're not going to be able to deny what they have seen. And there's many of them that are going to believe as a result of that. They're going to believe as a result of the demonstration of the love and the unity that's in the body. And they're also going to believe as a result of the demonstration of the, the subduing of darkness. Death is going to bow its knee in all of its forms. Every, how many know death is the enemy of God? Can I get an amen? amen? The day will come when death dies and there's no more death and we'll never deal with death again. So every form of death has to bow its knee to Jesus Christ. That's sickness, that's disease, that's poverty, that's lack, that's demonic oppression, all these types of things. Where the kingdom is, the enemy is not king. And the kingdom is wherever you stand. Can I get an amen? And so, so anyway, so this is what's happening. And there's a oneness that's coming to the body of Christ and how I many know it feels good to be loved and to be cared about? And, and, uh, and every, every human being yearns for that. And the world has a, uh, a counterfeit of that that's not really, a, 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 it's, not a, it's not a true um, acceptance. Amen? So anyway, it says that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfect in one that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Whew, how many of you know that's powerful? So good. All right, turn to Acts, please. And so now I want to, I just, and so anyway, that's what's happening, and it's exciting, and, um, and you can't stop it. <laughs> that's the best part. Because <laughs> so many times in the past, everybody's like, oh, revival's happening. We're walking on eggshells. Don't make the Holy Spirit mad. Shh. And, and, and what I want to encourage you is this is not born of man and it's not going to be messed up by man. Right? Okay, get an amen. amen. It's the good news, right? So don't get nervous and don't be afraid. Just, have, just enjoy yourself. There are great days ahead. Amen? And, um, and man's not going to be able to mess this thing up because the glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former. Amen? Oh, jeez. Tell you what, I just... Feel like exploding, man. I'm so excited. <clears throat> and so a part of, of this, a part of 
of the rest of all of these things happening is there has to be a, a restoration of the tabernacle of David. And so, and that is a part of what's currently happening at, at Asbury. Um, and so, and so let me talk about Tabernacle David for just a moment. Now, the children of Israel, <clears throat> excuse me, when they initially worship, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, do I not have a water? I got all kinds of communion up here, boy. I just... <laughs> communion everywhere, man. I thought I had one. Throw it to me. I think I can catch it. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. In the beginning, when the children of Israel first began their relationship with God, how many of there's an inner court, there's an outer court, there's a holy of holies, there was a sense of distance, there was a sense of class between believers. There were three groups of people that were anointed, the prophet, the priest, and the king. Nobody else was anointed, nobody else heard from God. They had to hear from God through those individuals. And so there was always a sense of distance. Nobody could go into the Holy of Holies at the high priest once a year. And then the inner court was only occupied by the priests. Outer court, the common people could come and make sacrifices. I mean, that's a tough way to have an intimate relationship with somebody. I can't even come to your room because I'm not worthy to come to your room. But then um, David, who was uh, a prophet and a king and a unique individual and a typology of Jesus Christ, came along and he had a different type of relationship with God than anyone else had had um, in terms of relationship. And I'm not saying that you know, it was any better than necessarily somebody else's, but what I'm saying is David saw that there was a shift coming, that God didn't actually delight in the sacrifice of bulls and goats. God delighted in something else. And David was seeing afar off a Messiah. David was seeing afar off the Lamb of God that would come. I mean, there's all kinds of messianic prophecies in the book of Psalms. So he's constantly pointing uh, to, to Jesus and to one that was coming. And so David, they, they lost the ark because uh, they weren't... How many of y'all Saul was not concerned about the ark? Saul was concerned about the way he looked. How many of y'all Saul was more interested in building a statue to himself than he was in finding an ark? It's true. After he won a victory, he said, oh, we've got to make a statue of me. How many of y'all that's man-made religion? And how many of we see that in the day and age that we live in? We want, you know, want the monikers, want the titles, want the attention, want the glory. And if you'll notice, this next move is not centered on that. Can I get an amen? Right. I don't want to worship around somebody else's statue. Can I get an amen? I don't want a shadow. I don't want to type. Give me the real thing. I want to sink my teeth into the Son of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, and, so, and so David wanted to bring back the ark. He wanted to bring back the ark. The, the, in, in Psalm 132, it said his heart longed for the ark. Why? Because Saul had left the ark out in the woods unattended, unaffected, and David was like, we got to bring the ark back. Now, I'm yelled that the ark to us represents the finished work of the cross. Okay, get an amen. And you know, the, the ark itself made of wood uh, on the inside represented man's disobedience, the broken commandments, uh, Aaron's rod, the rejection of, of God's appointed leadership, and then the manna, how I many know man rejected God's provision in the manna. So in the ark was a representation of all of man's failure. But how I many on top of the ark, there was a mercy seat beaten with pure gold. Can I get an amen? amen? And then there was the angels, the cherubim that overshadowed it. And that mercy seat, they would come and they would sprinkle blood upon that. And that mercy seat would cover man's rebellion, right? And so all, I mean, there, I could spend three days talking about all the typologies on that. But I just want to give a quick overview to get all of us on the same page. When you see the ark, it's representative of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The ark is, it, 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 it represents the finished work, right? So now, how I many you know these past 10 years we've been restoring the finished work to the body of Christ? We've been restoring the preaching of the gospel. We've been restoring uh, just the message of God's amazing grace. We've been restoring that the cross was a success. Can I get an amen? How I many you know if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All your sin has been forgiven, past, present, and future. You abide in a place of rightness with God because that has become your place of, of it's your zip code. How many know your righteousness is not an action? Your righteousness is a person. Jesus is your righteousness. Amen. And all the promises of God are yes and amen for him. How many know none of them for sale? You can't buy anything from God. It's all free. Everybody say free. free. It's free. Because if it's not free, it's not faith. Faith receives a gift. 
And so we've had years where we thought we had to earn these things. We thought we had to earn the anointing. We thought we had to earn uh, different gifts. We had to earn healing, earn financial provision, all these types of things. All that's garbage. You can't earn anything from God. It's all free. Now, you can receive it by faith for free through Jesus. And so we have spent probably the past 10 years restoring this revelation as the cornerstone upon which everything else is built. Because how many know if you got the cornerstone off, the whole building's off? I spent 14 years building a building that had no finished work. And so we had our, our motives were off because we were trying to impress God and impress each other. And everything that we built, even though the things that we learned and built were good, they had a bad foundation because it wasn't based on the finished work of the cross. And as a result of that, that whole building started to tip and then fell over and a lot of people were hurt. I mean, that's a lot of people's um, experience with modern-day Christianity. But now God has restored this cornerstone into its proper place. How many of you know Jesus is the cornerstone? How many of you know the cornerstone and the capstone is the same stone? Cries of grace, grace as it is finished, right? And so we've been restoring the finished work um, of the body of Christ, allowing Jesus to, to take center stage, all attention, all focus on Jesus. How many of you know when you preach this message, nobody gets any credit? Nobody in this room is any better than anybody else. Can I get an amen? We all need Jesus, right? And, and so when this is preached, it removes these systems of hierarchy and pyramid schemes out of the house of God. It tosses the temple tables and changes the house of God from being a den of thieves into a house of prayer and relationship is restored because it's all about Jesus and it's not necessarily about what we've done. Not our good deeds and not our bad deeds. Can I get an amen? And so that has happened, right? And so now, if you take a look at, at, at the uh, tabernacle of David, it was a very simple, it, was, it didn't have an inner court or an outer court. It didn't have, you know, priests and kings and all that. It was just a tent that had the ark, and they threw a party. That's what they did. And you know what? And in the midst of the party, there wasn't like preferred seating for the most anointed. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever been to a field party? Come on, Kentucky people. Come on, I know. I saw, saw some of y'all at the field party. No, I'm just kidding. But how many of you know in a field party, everybody's one mass together, right? And so in the tabernacle of David, this sense of self-righteousness and hypocrisy and if one person being better than another, it was annihilated, and people came together to worship and to play before the Lord. And it was centered around worship. It was centered around oneness. It was centered around um, a sense of community and a sense of family. And David demonstrated this, and he took his kingly robe off, and he put on an on a ephod, and he danced before the Lord with all of his might. Why, and, and, you know, and the religious of the day would look down on him and, and judge him and say, look, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're, 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 you're vile, you're despicable. And David said, look, you think this is bad? I'm going to be more foolish than this because I'm not going to be highly esteemed in my own eyes. It was before the Lord. Y'all tracking me here? And then he threw in there, who chose me over your father? <laughs> Amen. And so this is what's happening. The tabernacle of David is being restored, Right? And so, man, we're going to have amazing worship services, and we're going to have gifts of the Spirit that are moving, and, yeah. and, and all, pe all of us are going to be ministering. Yeah. It's not just going to be, it's going to be this, it's going to be like in 1 Corinthians, where one has a psalm, and one has a word, and one has this, and one has that, and we all come together, and we all edify, and we all strengthen each other. Can I get an amen? amen. And I'm not saying every service will be like that. There's going to be times we've got to teach the word and we've got to keep everybody grounded. We've got to keep people grounded in truths. But we're going to have these services of celebration where the Holy Spirit is the orchestrator and the Holy Spirit is the one that's actually bringing everything together. Y'all tracking me here? And so this is the tabernacle of David. This is what's being restored. Now, the reason it's so important for it to be restored are a couple things. Acts 15 and verse 16, it gives some prophecy concerning this. It says, And with these words the prophets agree... Just as it is written, after this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who call by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. And so 
This restoration of the tabernacle of David is going to set the stage for the Gentiles to come. It's going to set the stage for the unbelievers to come. Because people might not come to a church service, but they might come to a field party. And if you'll notice, we kind of got a field out there. <laughs> so we could kind of throw a party out there. Just throwing that out there. Amen. But they will come for these celebrations. How I many you know most people in this world are really turned off by church? I mean, congratulations to you guys for making it. <laughs> Good job. Because how I many you know people have had some really bad experiences in church? And so what I feel like God, God's about to do some things that don't look like church at all. And it's going to look very much not like church, but it's going to be this tabernacle of David type of environment where we're all together and there's no separation and there aren't all these titles and there aren't all of these um, you know, accolades of man and focus on man. It's going to be, the focus is going to be on the Lord. Amen? So that's exciting. So the, the restoration of the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And how many know the tabernacle had fallen down? How many know we had seasons where we didn't realize the cross was a success? We thought we had to do something to add to it, right? But God has restored that, amen? And so now turn to Acts chapter 3, please. And one final thing here, just about kind of what's going on. Acts chapter 3, and of course these are, these are prophecies that I believe are being fulfilled in our time. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, which is spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets as the world began. All right, so this is like, this is a prophecy concerning the return of Jesus, okay? And what I see, it, it says... Whom heaven must receive. How much talking about Jesus? How many know Jesus is in heaven? Right now, seated on the right hand of God. And so the announcement of him coming, he can't come back until this next part happens. Until the times of restoration of all things. So what's going to happen in the days ahead is God is going to bring a restoration to the body of Christ. God's going to restore and cause his beautiful bride to be what he always knew she could be in a place of unity, in a place of wholeness, her no longer thinking she's dirty, her no longer thinking she's unworthy, her no longer focused on the wrinkles on her face or the sin in her life or the mistakes that she's made or her past, but her being completely and totally made whole by looking into the eyes of her groom. She finds her identity in the eyes of Jesus, not in the eyes of those around her, not in the eyes of her own mirror, but she sees herself in the eyes of Jesus. And Jesus says, you are clean. You are whole. You are beautiful. I see no spot in you. And out of that place of her realizing who she is and us coming into a place of unity, there's going to be a, a restoration of all things. And, and I, I, I mean, you know, I'm not settled on my eschatology. Like, I'm not real sure. You know, I mean, I, there's a lot of, but, but I'm starting to think, what if we're winning? When Jesus comes back. <laughs> what if we're kicking the devil's butt so bad? Like we are just winning. It says restoration of all things. Whom the heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things. That means all the things that have been stolen from the church. All the things that have been stolen from your family. All the things that have been stolen from you. There's a restoration that's going to happen. And then the king comes. And the king comes down and he comes walking amongst his people. But he had already returned in them before he returned in the sky. This, and, and, here, and here's another thing I've realized. We never really actually figure out ever what God's going to do. Never has it been where people are like, this is what's going to happen. How many know God always confounds everybody? And, and we've spent many years thinking that the rapture is going to happen a certain way and end times are going to be a certain way. What if we're all wrong? You know, just like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not 
saying I know. I'm just saying what if. That's all I'm saying. I'm just knocking the ball in your court a little bit. That's all I'm doing. But I know this verse is true. And it says, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restoration of all things. And so, what if there's a restoration that happens? What if there's a oneness? What if there's a wholeness? What if there's a unity? What if, what if we all start winning and winning and winning and winning and winning? When I'm talking about winning, I'm talking about death not winning. I'm talking about addiction not winning. I'm talking about darkness not winning. I'm talking about sin not winning. I'm talking about loneliness not winning. Depression not winning. Lack not winning. Recession not winning. You follow? I'm talking about reigning in life through one, Jesus Christ. And he starts to reign through us. And then when, his, when the beautiful soles of his feet hit the earth again for the first time and he walks among his people, he walks among his people as a victorious people as a people who have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, a victorious people, a joyful people, a people who begin to put sickness and disease and death and poverty and lack beneath their feet. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. He is that good. He is that good. He is that good. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So, enjoy yourself. <laughs> We're in the victory lap. We're in the victory lap. And, and don't, don't get focused on the little battles. Like, I got a little battle right here. I've had it for a few days, right? I ain't focused on this. Like, this, this right here, this will pass. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you're dealing with right now in your life, it'll pass. Whatever you got going on, whatever heartache, whatever's challenging you, it's going to pass. Yeah, it's going to pass. It's going to bow its knee. There, there, there's, a, there's a victory. There's a war cry in the camp. There's a victory shout in the camp. There's a joy and there's a strength. Get focused on that. Don't focus on the little battles. Don't focus on, on, on the little foxes that spoil the vine. Because listen to me. It's a word from the Lord. You can get so focused on those little things that you don't like, that haven't changed, that you can, you can be staring down at a little problem when the glory comes rolling in. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes from whom your help comes from. Set your affection on things above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Can I get an amen? amen. Change your focus. Change your focus. Start to see the big picture. Amen? And if you haven't been to Asbury, go. Just go. Just go. Are you going to wait in line? Yeah. But just go. Go check it out. It's, it's worth the time it takes. I mean, there's people all over the nation. You know, people contacted me, like, like when it first broke out, like, man, how far are you away from Asbury? I'm like, um, 25 minutes. <laughs> Have you been yet? Mm, no. <laughs> They're like, well, we're driving from New York. You know, we're driving from Canada. We're driving. And they're like, you're like, oh, you're 20 minutes and you haven't been. Well, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Inconvenience yourself enough to, to go out there and check it out. And listen, I'm not saying it's the be all and end all, but I am saying it's the beginning. I do believe it's the beginning. And I believe it's just going to continue to grow and it's going to hit other areas and, and I believe there's been a change and there's a momentum swing. And, uh, man, just, just don't focus on these little foxes that spoil the vine, man. Focus on the big picture, man. God will take care of all of our mess. Can I get an amen? God will take care of all the stuff that we're dealing with, right? And we just need to focus on him and, and, and focus on his return. Amen? So praise God. That's it, man. That's what I got for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Good word. So I got just a, a couple announcements here. Um, if you want to give, lift your hand up. We'll get a giving envelope to you. Those of you who are watching online, you can give through gracepointgeorgetown.com. Um, we are going to, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to help an Asbury student. Um, you, we, 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 we're going to help one of these kids who's struggling with their um, tuition. And we as a church are going to help them. And then the college will match whatever we give. How I many you know that's a, that's a blessing, right? 
And so anyway, if you want to give into that, just put Asbury on your envelope. If you guys are watching online, you want to give into that, put Asbury on your envelope. Um, we've got our youth camp coming up in July. Um, if you haven't got signed up for that, get signed up. We've got our Myrtle Beach Conference coming up in June. That's an awesome time. I encourage you guys to come check that out. What is it now? Okay, then we got our men's prayer breakfast, and uh, that's on the 24th, and uh, 25th, excuse me. And uh, man, I, I did a men's prayer breakfast in South Dakota a few weeks ago, and it was such an awesome experience because I got to speak to just men about things pertaining to men. And um, it was just a powerful time of ministry and fellowship. And uh, so we're, 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 we're not looking to do like a monthly prayer breakfast like we have in the past. What we're looking to do now is kind of like have events where we bring men together, bring in different different speakers and, and things of that nature. But anyway, the first one that we're doing is on February 25th. It'll be 9 a.m. here at the church, and uh, it's going to be a great time. So I encourage you to come check that out or invite somebody. It's not going to be just people from this church. It's going to be people from other churches as well. Did you have a question or were you stretching? Okay. Amen. Cool. Anything else on that? Yeah, just invite people. It'll be fun. And then we're, we're going to start our outreaches in March. So March 13th will be our first outreach at the shelter. And uh, we're going we're gonna to bring music, we're going to bring food, and we're just going to love on people and help people. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, how many know last year those were powerful, right? But I feel like there's even more momentum and there's even more strength for this year. And so anyway, so those are some things that are coming up that are happening. So, Like, what do you mean? Here, I'll, thank you for your honesty. It's always hard to get the get certain people. She'll turn it on. When they do the outreaches, they um, um, do it at the shelter, but then they pack the food up and they get in vehicles and they take it to the communities around here. And they found some of the more lower income communities that are struggling. And and what he's found is that he's feeding all these kids. They all come running like, yes, there's food, like we're hungry. And so he's feeding all those kids. So like, I think that as a church, yes, we want to do it at the shelter, but why can't we do it in those communities? You know what I'm saying? And let those kids come out. So look for those kind of things when you're even at this event, or if you're just in, in Georgetown and you, you know, God leads you to a, a neighborhood or a place where, oh, this might be a good place for us to do something. And then we can find out where and so how all that works. It to us. If you find a place out where you think that we might be able to do an event there or bring some food there, then let us know, basically, is what we're saying. Because what we do the event, like she's saying, we do the event at the shelter, but then we just take the food out. And how many of there are people who are struggling financially? And so, man, I mean, how many of it, it, the church is called to help? Amen. And, uh, you know, we've been helping, you know, single moms and, and helping them pay bills, and we've been doing all those types of things. But one of the, one of the major things I would love to see for us to do uh, over the spring and the, and the summer, man, is to just start feeding folk, man, and loving on people and helping people. And, and man, the field is ripe for Harvest, y'all. There's so much ministry that's out there. It's really exciting. And, and I just encourage you, you know, don't, don't feel like you can't do this. Don't feel like, well, I don't have the personality for this or, well, I, whatever. Look, man, I mean, you know, it, it, we all work together. You know, there's a lot of different things that are done in the course of this. She or she organizes the vast majority of it. Absolutely. So just see me if you want to be a part of that and you want to help. So, all right, cool. Lord, we ask you to bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, can we have the music back up? pretty please, you guys, and uh, there are just some people that might need prayer, and um, I, I know some people had, uh, you know, uh, talked to me about potentially needing prayer, and so everybody just please stand, and uh, if you need to be dismissed in the Lord, be dismissed and go have an awesome day, um, go to, you know, go to Asbury, go do whatever, man, go have a good time, but if you need prayer for anything, uh, we, we, we're getting into a place of worship here, and we just want to open it up to, to give people opportunity uh, for prayer, not just for healing, but man, if you need a if you need a, a word or for your family or you just need prayer in general, um, we're all going to pray for each other. So, uh, so can we get those lights back there, pretty please? But if you need to go, f please be dismissed. No condemnation, man. Yeah.
But we'll get into this place of worship, then we'll open the altar for prayer. Oh, okay, you need a guitar. A guitar in the, is your guitar off? There we go. Good deal. There we go. Yeah. In how great is our God. Sing 